1: Welcome everyone to another episode of the Music City Audible podcast brought to you by Broadway Sports Media partnered with 440 Sports. I'm Justin Graver and joining me as always is Justin Mello. One week before training camp is set to start with the rookies reporting on Saturday, the veterans reporting next Tuesday, and training camp practices underway on Wednesday the 27th. We're almost there, Justin. How are you feeling today? I'm doing
0: well. I'm excited. I think you said it best. We're almost there, right? Even preseason, we're, we're less than a month away from the Titans' first preseason game. So that that's really exciting to me. I keep hearing a lot of chatter about how we're right back in it. We're back in the swing of things, and I couldn't be more excited for it.
1: Yeah, me neither. We're really getting close now. And so on that note, we're going to talk today about the Titans' Odds to win the division, but not from our own personal expectations. More from the standpoint of how do how are the Titans viewed nationally? Because we always talk about the national media seems to have a bias against the Titans for whatever reason, small market team, lack of superstar talent, especially on the defensive end. And the thing that really got me thinking about this today was Warren Sharp's website, sharpfootballanalysis.com, put out an article today written by Ryan McChrystal. Credit to him for ranking the the front seven units in the NFL for the 2022 season and putting the Titans down at 20 overall, this unit that terrorized quarterbacks for most of the second half of last season, 20th best front seven in the league. They cite the pressure rate as a statistic against the Titans where they were, you know, ranking in the twenties and pressure rate. What is pressure rate really have to do with how good the front seven is as a whole, especially if they are piling up sacks, what are your thoughts about this and in general, sort of national media bias against the Titans?
0: I have a hard time understanding why any you put them at 20th. Um we we may come off sounding biased, but I, I just I, I think everyone sort of agrees that Jeffrey Simmons is like the second best interior defensive lineman in the game. That's, I feel an opinion that's kind of become universally accepted and recognized. Jeffrey Simmons is this young budding ascending superstar. That's, you know, of course a level below Aaron Donalds. Everyone else is, but probably the second best interior DT in the league. Uh, Bud Dupree should should only can't be worse. I don't think. I mean, I guess he could, but chances are he gets better. Right, like a year coming off the ACL. I think I think that's the the more likelier outcome is that Bud Dupree is better in 2022 than he is in 2020 than he was in 2021. I should say. Mm -hmm. Harold Landry, I mean, uh, unless what you're forecasting, he falls off a cliff because he signed a big deal and doesn't care anymore. Like I'm trying to understand, right? And I'm still having a hard time. Dino Kuatri is not a young player. He's getting older. Are you forecasting him falling off a cliff? Because I I believe he's on the wrong side of 30. So I I, I don't know. It's not like they lost anyone in free agency, right? That was important, at least obviously waves goodbye to Rashawn Evans, Jayon Brown, yada, yada, but no one important. So this front four is back together. But they had, what, 42 regular season sacks last year, which ranked, I think, inside the top 10 um, in the league. You saw what they did in the playoffs in that one game against the Bagels. Eight, nine sacks. You've seen how good they can be uh, at their best. Uh, solid linebacker group here with David Long and Zach Cunningham. Maybe people don't know enough about David Long and Zach Cunningham. right? Uh, maybe, maybe that's what it is. Maybe they got dings for that, and that's why they they fell to 20th. But I have a pretty hard time understanding why they would be at 20th.
1: Yeah, and they were fourth in rushing yards per attempt against, which, you know, it's not always the best metric to use, but it is a metric that they were pretty good in, like you said, the sack. But this pressure percentage seems to be some sort of random metric that they've decided is really important for the Titans or for these rankings. And the Titans weren't great in that category. And that's like a per snap basis. How much pressure are they getting? Did the Titans convert a high number of pressures into sacks last year? And maybe they think that's unsustainable and fluky, maybe so. But I also think the Titans defense had an opportunity to cause turnovers at a higher rate, and they kind of missed out on some of those chances last year. And that, like, they didn't have all that many strip sacks, despite having a a large number of sacks. Mm -hmm. So I think that there's fluctuation that can benefit the Titans defense in that regard, too. And sort of on this topic, right now, DraftKings has the odds up for the AFC South division. And the Colts have emerged as the favorite, not just on... The heavy favorite, not just on betting websites, but analysts and pundits and people are picking the Colts to win the South. The addition of Matt Ryan seems to be way more important than I guess I value it because right now the Colts are minus 125 to win the South. The Titans are plus 170. And if you don't understand gambling terms, I have converted that into an implied probability to make it a little easier to understand, where the Colts, based on those odds, are being given a 55.5% chance Ooh. to win the division. The Titans being given a 3704 chance to win the division. The Titans won the division by three games last year. Are we saying that Matt Ryan's addition and maybe, what, A.J. Brown's departure from the Titans' offense, that that's worth, the Colts will make up a three-game difference with those roster moves? I mean, was, was Carson Wentz costing them wins on that high of a level? Was A.J. Brown earning the Titans wins on that high of a level? A.J. Brown didn't even play half the season, and neither did Derrick Henry. So where is this coming from? Why are the Titans so heavy? I mean, they're not heavy underdogs, but for reigning division champs in back-to-back years, those are, that's pretty heavy underdogs.
0: Yeah, when I think of 55% versus 37%, that to me is pretty heavy, right? Like, it's uh, I, I would think this you know, if I were making these up and of course I'm, you know, I'm not, and you know, I'm not an expert, I guess, by any stretch of the imagination on gambling odds, but I feel like I would give the Titans, a, you know, if, if I was making it out of a hundred and I'll give the Texans and Jaguars 0% chance, I know you're not supposed to, <laughs> but I will. I'd probably give the Titans 53 and the Colts 47. Like I do right. think this thing will be close, Um, but 55, 37, that's, that's heavy. You know what? One thing I'll quickly say uh, uh, again on that is, the Colts went out and got a lot of names this off season, a lot of names that people know, and that probably helped them a lot. Not only Matt Ryan, but don't forget, you know, uh, uh, Stefan Gilmore is uh, everyone knows Stefan Gilmore. And I would even argue uh, Yannick and Gauley, right. The edge yeah. rusher they traded for is a pretty well-known guy as well. And, and everyone knows Jonathan Taylor now, rightfully so. Everyone loves Darius Leonard and everyone knows Quentin Nelson. Like, Uh, DeForest Buckner inside. So, there's a lot of names on this team, both on defense and offense. Uh, So, that might be why I I would think accounts for some of this difference. Who knows David Long, right? Who knows Kristen Fulton, right? Who knows uh, Elijah Molden? Who knows Nate Davis, right? So, I I do think there's uh, that aspect to it.
1: Yeah, and they, remember the Colts led the NFL in Pro Bowlers last season, despite missing the playoffs. <laughs> going nine <laughs> and eight, that's right, uh, <laughs> with a Week eighteen loss to Jacksonville that kept them from getting in. Right, a disastrous meltdown of a game from Carson Wentz there, which maybe that is maybe that is enough. And like you said, I, it, it is going to be closer than Titans fans probably want to admit, at least most of them, because the Titans are coming off back to back division champions, and they've never been bad. Under John Robinson, even with Mike Malarkey as the head coach, the Titans have not been bad since John Robinson took over better than nine and seven or nine and seven at worst every single season since he's been here. Mike Vrabel has been better than that even. So Vegas understands that when they made the win total odds, the Titans currently set at nine and a half wins over under nine and a half wins. They set it at the half if you're unfamiliar with gambling so that you can't tie. So it'll either be over nine and a half or under nine and a half which is tied for ninth most in the NFL, the the eight teams higher than them, the Bills, the Bucks and the Packers all set at 11 and a half wins. They they lead the pack. And then right below that is the Cowboys, the Chargers, the Chiefs, the Broncos and the Rams at 10 and a half. Now, there are five other teams set at nine and a half wins. But I mean, this is a good group of teams to be. Thought, like paired with and thought of with, not paired because pairs too, but you know what I mean? Cardinals, Colts, Ravens, Bengals, Niners, and Titans are all at nine and a half wins right now. This is courtesy DraftKings Sportsbook. So, I mean, that's a, that's a respectable group of teams to be grouped with there, which means that the Titans are not expected to be that bad. But if you listen to, you know, the Football Outsiders AFC South preview stream, live stream that they did a, a couple of weeks ago, they talk about how the Titans are not only the worst one seed in the history of DVOA, they would have been the worst two seed in the history of DVOA, which like, great. And there's all this talk oh. out there about how the Titans are due to regress. They're probably not going to win 12 games. And maybe they won't win 12 games. They can still win the division without winning 12 games. And uh, it just seems like, I feel like a lot of national media seem to think the Titans' chances of regressing are way higher than their t- their chances of like Traylon Burke's panning out and Christian Fulton taking another step and Jeffrey Simmons becoming a true superstar and Caleb Farley being a serviceable starting cornerback. Like I think there's a road here where the Titans can improve from last season, at least on the field, maybe not in the win column and be as good or better than they were. But a lot of people who analyze the league seem to think there's a way better chance that the Titans are worse than they were. Last year, not
0: not just worse. A lot of them think they're going to be actively bad, right? Like, yeah, maybe a five, six-win team that picks in the top ten of the NFL draft, right? Like, I've heard some of that as well. So, I I will say. To, you know, we sometimes Titans media get a reputation of always picking a fight or looking, you know, for being the underdog. I will say I fully agree with DraftKings Sportsbooks that nine and a half wins is the perfect total. To have. it's a, If I was setting the odds, again, I'll, I'm going to put myself in the driver's seat here. Uh, that's what I would put it as because I think that's a really, uh, a, a, I don't want to say a conundrum, but I do think it places, makes people have to think a little bit, right? Like right. Uh, that's where it should be. And I, I said last week, right on last week's episode that, I think I've predicted 10 and seven for, for a while now. So I think that's a, a good number at nine and a half wins. It, it makes it uh, difficult on the so-called gambler and that's what they're intended to do. Right. That's what they want to do. Right. They want to make, want to make it a difficult decision. So I do think nine and a half wins is the appropriate mark.
1: And I fully agree with that too. And I don't think that, you know, like you maybe could take issue with the Cowboys or the chargers or the Broncos being ahead of them at 10 and a half. But those teams have a lot of hype. The Cowboys are heavily gambled on, so they're always inflated in by Vegas odds. The Chargers added a lot of pieces on defense. The Broncos obviously added Russell Wilson. So there's reasons for extreme optimism with those teams. The Bills, Bucks, Packers leading the way at 11 and a half. Fully on board with that. We were talking before the show how the Packers might be a little high there at 11 and a half. But, you know, you got the two-time MVP, not just two-time, but back to... The most recent two MVPs, he has more than two, uh, Aaron Rodgers at 11 and a half wins there for the Packers. So I can see why they're that high. And again, the group the Titans are are in with, the Cardinals, the Colts, the Ravens, the Bengals, the Niners, it makes sense. They're getting that respect there. It's just more from the national media perception, people picking the Colts to win the division at such a high rate. Seems like nobody really believes in the Titans. And this comes on the heels of something that was circulating on Twitter in the last week or so is separation rankings by for each team, how how much separation the wide receivers got for each team in the league. And the Titans came in at 32nd on that list. So, I mean, that's because you have Nick Westbrook and Cody Hollister and all these guys that are, that are true. Screw up Des Fitzpatrick, even playing lots of snaps because AJ Brown, Julio Jones missed so much time. So, Sure. Could that be thirty second again? Yes, I guess so. But really, there's nowhere to go but up on that. Re- in that regard, and uh, then you got all the Madden ratings coming out, and the Titans getting you know very little love in those as well. So there's a lot of just like anti-Titans stuff going on in the media as we gear up for the season.
0: The only thing I'll say about the Madden ratings is Nick westbrook akine is rated a seventy overall. He's going to get six hundred receiving yards this season. Okay, he's rated several overalls below receivers who are going to get cut in training camp around the league like a lot of them i went through the list like dante pettis is like a 75 right he's five overalls better than um uh than nick westbrook is there are a lot of receivers that are going to get cut and nick westbrook's gonna put up 600 receiving yards this year for a potentially playoff caliber team and he's about five or six
1: rankings below um guys who are going to be looking for work in september so I guess the overall point here of this conversation is that it doesn't matter that the Titans secured the number one overall seed that they bested Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes and Russell Wilson and Matthew Stafford in the regular season. None of those things matter because they failed to show up in a playoff game and left an incredibly sour taste in everybody who covers the NFL's mouth. And that is why I think they're being so disrespected. And it's like, They're not being so disrespected, but for a team that was just the best team in the AFC last year, record wise, you'd think they'd have at least somewhat higher expectations with Derrick Henry coming back for a fully healthy season. You hope with the defense remaining mostly intact, but it is what it is. The Titans, you know, they, they like in that locker room. They like to be the underdog. They crave the underdog mentality. They thrive in those situations. So I think if they had gone to Cincinnati as the underdog in January, You know, you might have seen a totally different team performance out there, but being the number one overall seed, getting a a buy in a home game, I don't know. I'm not saying that they got lackadaisical because I don't think that they do that under Mike Vrabel, but you know, they love that underdog vibe and they will have it. They will have it this season pretty strongly. Should we move on and talk about our breakout player candidates? I think we should. All right. Why don't you get us started with your number one breakout player?
0: Yeah. The number one player I am, how do I put that? The one I'm most confident in will have a breakout campaign. Cause there's another one I'm, I might be more excited about, but I don't feel as safe betting on. And you probably know where I'm going with that. But the one that I feel most confident in is Dylan rates. And I'm going with Ooh. Dylan ratings. Cause I feel, you know, that he's going to be the starting right tackle. I think that's almost a foregone conclusion at this point. I mean, yeah, they can still go out there. There's a lot of free agent tackles that are available, right? Daryl Williams, I think Trent Brown. I don't think Jason Peters retired. Jason Peters was really good last season, by the way, at 39 years old for the Chicago Bears. Watched some Jason Peters tape the other day. He was so damn good last year. Eric Fisher, I, there are free agent tackles, I guess, out there. But I feel very confident that Dylan Raditz is going to be the starting right tackle. I think that's a four, almost a foregone conclusion. And I'm excited about him. This is me putting stock and putting faith in my original evaluation of Dylan Raidens as someone who analyzes the NFL draft on a yearly basis, right? I had Dylan Raidens ranked as a top 40 player in that class before the Titans drafted him. So you can't call it bias folks. Sorry. It just isn't what it is what its You can go back and look at my big board. I think I had Dylan Raidens 39th. I think it was 39th overall. Nice. I was a big believer in him. Pre-draft. I love the tape. I got to spend some time with the kid. I love the kid. I think he's a competitive, smart guy. Um, Had a lot of conversations with him leading up to the draft. Know a lot of people that coached him, uh, people within his agency, people in his circle. Uh, I really believe in the kid. I still believe in him. I'm not going to, you know, last season was what it was. Certainly, Titans fans were frustrated to not see him get on the field. I'm starting to get to a point where this is just what the Titans do with rookies, right? they just... Yeah, I I, I know we've seen A.J. Brown, Elijah Molden. There have been guys that earned playing time right away and played really well, but there are so many Christian Fultons and Dylan Radenses and guys it's get trail on Burks in a few months time. So many guys that just don't play right away. Nicholas Petit-Friere is about to join in this list, right? So many top three round picks that Monty Rice, right. That just don't play right away. Caleb Farley. Caleb, Caleb Farley. It does not mean you should Isaiah Wilson. No, it, does <laughs> not mean, it does not mean you should write them off, right? That I, I think I feel good saying that about this organization and these draft picks, um, I still really like Dylan Radiance. I think he's going to come in, make that right tackle job his own. And I think he's going to be really solid at that position. My number one breakout candidate in 2022.
1: Nice. Now, I think we should clarify a little bit. Like, where do we draw the line on players who have already broken out? I think, like, Christian Fulton was a breakout candidate last year who broke out. So, like, I would say Christian but- Fulton might break out into the national media conversation as one of the league's top corners this year. But as far as we're concerned, he's already broken out. So yeah. to
0: show you, I mean, again, no disrespect to annual, this is probably going to sound like a random anecdote to people, but I had a conversation with uh, a fan the other day, a big NFL fan of another organization, big NFL draft fan, but just go to show you why I liked what you said there about Fulton. And he said to me, and I, I corrected him. Now I'm not afraid to correct people. He said to me, he goes, man, I hate to see how Christian, Christian Fulton's career has gone so far. And I said, hmm. well, "What? what do you mean? And he's like, I really liked him coming out of LSU. Well, what's not to like? It (laughs) hasn't really gone to plan in Tennessee, has it? said, no, you're incorrect. Christian Fulton was really good last season. He was starting quarterback, really, really freaking good. So I can see what you mean where he broke out. But, I mean, if you want to kind of throw him an honorable mention and say could break out into the national spotlight. Um, And I think there are a lot of young corners around the same age, by the way, just me being honest, who are better than Christian Fulton? He probably doesn't get mentioned with A.J. Terrell. And I agree. A.J. Terrell, if you don't watch the Atlanta Falcons, A.J. Terrell is unbelievable. He doesn't get mentioned with Jair Alexander, even though Alexander was hurt last year. He doesn't get mentioned with Pat Surtain. Pat Surtain is a bona fide, budding superstar in Denver. So I think those guys kind of get brought up first when you talk about young corners that are, 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 are sending. Uh, and that's maybe why Fulton doesn't get talked enough about or doesn't get talked about in that in that. Sort of company, but uh, I agree. Where he did break out last year, but maybe another step forward catapults him into a national spotlight.
1: So on that note, my my first breakout candidate is a guy whose tape I really loved coming out of college. Who is in this mold of players who didn't play a lot as a rookie, but should take a huge step forward in terms of role and performance in year two, and that is Caleb Farley, the guy we expect to start across from Christian Fulton. Now he's got to stay healthy, but if he stays healthy. I don't see what will stop him from becoming one of the true shutdown corners in this league. He has the length, he has the athleticism, he has the size, and he has the instincts that you need at this position. And all the reports out of Titans offseason workouts since I mean, since the season ended are that he is way ahead of where he was last year, that he's there every day putting in the work, in the film room, in the weight room. He's bulked up, he's added muscle, he set it in a uh post-practice interview that you can find on the Titans YouTube page recently that not that recently, I guess, but I think in like April or may about how he's put on extra muscle and not lost his athleticism. And you saw some of this ability. He he's just has such an insane athletic profile and the ability to recover when he gets beat on plays that will make him, you know, it's such an advantage to have that that I think he's going to be a guy that shuts people down this year and has the same kind of career arc that we've seen in three years now from, or I guess this will be the third year of Christian Fulton's career, but the same kind of first two years where he played sparingly as a rookie, had some injury issues that limited him. Obviously his injury was a lot worse than, than Christian Fulton's, but with the torn ACL and the, and the coming back from the back surgeries and stuff, but this guy could step in and be a true shutdown number one corner who he might be better than Christian Fulton this season. I'm not expecting that necessarily, but I do think he's going to break out into the type of player that the Titans can rely on to basically match up with any type of receiver because he has the 425 speed and the six foot two six foot one height that he can play with big body guys and he can play with fast speedy guys. I'm really excited to see what Caleb Farley can do this year.
0: Yeah, he's the one I was alluding to when I said I, I wasn't going to pick him, but I am more, it's probably more excited about him than anybody on the team. I just feel a little more comfortable betting on Raiden, um, just to the Farley's injury history and, and the fact that he hasn't really been able to stay or get on the field for a, a while now, dating back to college, of course. Um, but I, I mean, I'm, I'm as infatuated with him as a project as you are, right? I think the sky's the limit for him. I mean, I'm I'm not going to repeat everything you said, but the length, the speed, the physical abilities. Um one of my favorite players to study in that draft that year. Um, in the it was 2021, I guess, yeah, a 2021 draft. Certainly one of my I thought was the most talented corner when on the field. Now that class was loaded with corners. Uh, you know, a couple of which I went earlier than him and rightfully so, especially due to the injuries, but uh, was certainly, I think one of the, the most high end corners in that class. When you watch the tape and kind of removed everything else from the evaluation, now, of course you can't remove the injuries from the evaluation, but when you just, you know, you look at the tape, you strip it down um, just so much fun, right? Everything just screams elite cornerback. So uh, I, I do really like that. choice. I think Dylan Raditz and Caleb Farley are by far, truthfully, the two most obvious and easy choices for breakout candidates.
1: Yeah, let's do one more here each and then maybe throw a couple honorable mentions that we just talked much more briefly about. But what do you think, one more player, anyone on the offensive side of the ball come to mind?
0: We try to avoid rookies, I assume, or...
1: No, you could name a rookie. I mean, I'm really excited to see what
0: Chigo Quanquo does, you know, certainly at tight end. I don't know... I think the big thing there is does he get on the field enough um, uh, to be a breakout candidate, so on, uh, or, or does he make the, the desired impact just because, you know, how many snaps does he take away from Austin Hooper? And even Jeff Swain, as much as Titans fans may not, want to hear it they're bringing Swain back a uh, 3.5 million guaranteed and he's going to play a role so how much does he get on the field but i'm super excited about the game breaking potential uh with him right the the, opp- the the opportunity to sort of create explosive plays for a passing offense it's probably going to be looking for someone to do that right certainly uh, uh in the wake of all the changes so excited about him uh you know i'm not going to say him that's kind of an honorable mention throw out um I'm going to say Nate Davis. And I know that, you know, entering the fourth year, that might sound a little strange, but you know, when I, I look at the elements surrounding Nate Davis, that's why I feel confident, you know, bringing up his name. Um, mm-hmm. We all know didn't have the best year last year. He's gone on record said he had COVID twice during the regular season, physical, physically drained, mentally drained, confidence was impacted, you know, putting that behind him. And he played pretty well d- uh, down the stretch of the, of the season last year, right? Second half was a lot better than the first half. So kind of looking at the way he ended the year, looking at that, those, you know, obviously those COVID, those physical, those mental issues are now in his rear view mirror. And the fact that it's a contract year, let's be honest, that people are always motivated to play well. This guy's a third round pick out of Charlotte, right? It's not like he's made a, a, you know, a ton of money in the league by their standards, right? Sure, he's made a lot of money compared to you and I, I imagine, but um, certainly this is a guy that wants to cash in, right? And sign... He could sign a contract for eight to $10 million annually, right? If he has a, a good ci I wouldn't, I don't think that's outside the realm of possibility for him. Like Austin Corbett just signed in Carolina for eight million a year. I recently compared their career arcs where Austin Corbett kind of came out, you know, got off his career to a slow start. Nate Davis got off to a faster start than Corbett did. It was pretty bad in Cleveland. Corbett was, goes to LA, plays well. And now he signs an eight million dollar contract with the Carolina Panthers, three years, eight million a year. So I think Nate Davis can definitely end up getting a contract, eight, nine, $10 million a year. He's going to be motivated to go out there and get it. With with, with all those issues now behind him, I think he's due for a big year.
1: Yeah, I, I like that pick. That's a good one. A bounce back breakout kind of year could be on tap there. I'm going to say breakout year is coming for Nick Westbrook-Akina. You've already, you've already said definitively he will have 600 yards this year. I think his Madden rating is going to skyrocket this season.
0: 70 overall right now.
1: (laughs) Um, No, but the reason I say that is I think opportunity is going to be there for him to get snaps. And whether that's because Traylon Burks is a bit slower to to get going than we hope, or because Robert Woods has to kind of rotate in a little slower with his ACL and might take some more plays off, but also because the Titans coaching staff just loves him and his dependability – He knows the offense. He can play every receiver position on the field. He blocks well, which Titans fans love to hear. And I don't know that the breakout season is going to be one where he's like a starter on your fantasy football team. But I think in terms of being a guy that can be relied on to make a big catch on a third down when the Titans need 10 yards. You know, he started to do that a bit more down the stretch last year. I remember a huge third and 15 he converted over the middle against the Niners on Thursday Night Football on the day before Christmas Eve. And I think we'll see more of those types of plays from him this year as he comes in for his third season and looks to establish himself as an NFL player who's not just a guy at the back of the roster, back of the depth chart, but someone who can play a lot of meaningful snaps in a very short-handed wide receiver room that is looking for somebody to step up and be a dependable guy.
0: On the topic of Nick Westbrook, if you are feeling what Graver is saying, head over to broadwaysportsmedia.com. I just released a fantastic interview with Nick Westbrook. Spent a lot of time talking to him a couple of weeks ago, uh, going over the offense, going over his sophomore season. He had a lot of interesting things to say. And I will say the headline for the story, um, is kind of pairing with what you're saying. The headline, I kept that This is the most simple headline I've ever written because that's kind of how I view the situation. Nick Westbrook just keeps getting better.
1: I think that's true. I think we've seen it so far, and there's no reason for me to believe that we won't keep seeing it. Does he have some athletic limitations? Maybe, but he's a bigger-bodied guy who can make the contested catch. He knows where to be. He's got a chemistry with Ryan Tannehill, and... uh Hopefully, we'll see a breakout year from him because, honestly, the Titans need a breakout player in that receiver room to create some explosive plays. Any honorable mentions?
0: Yeah, I wanted to ask you about Elijah Molden.
1: Okay. I like it. What were we thinking?
0: I mean, I I thought he was pretty good as a rookie. I think he can definitely uh, take a step forward.
1: Yeah, I think he can, and I think one reason for that is that who knows what role they're going to have for him this year, but I think we're going to see a broadened, Like responsibility on his shoulders in the run game, covering tight ends, playing a little bit of safety and nickel and just moving around as the Titans are able to play more varied coverages with the same personnel on the field because he's a guy that can do a lot of things
0: could be a Swiss army knife this year, right. especially with Dane Crookshank, Jayon Brown and Rashawn Evans gone, right? There's there's kind of a role there in the middle of the field. Not that Rashawn Evans was, was playing that with any frequency, but there's kind of a role there in the middle of the field, especially in coverage uh, that Elijah Molden could be tasked with uh,
1: replacing. Yeah, I totally agree. All right. My honorable mention is Kyle Phillips for a lot of the same reasons I just named Nick Westbrook. Love that. <laughs> because I think that when it comes to breakout for Kyle Phillips is, is more of a guy that nobody has any idea who he is outside of Titans fans and true draft like nerds who knows who Kyle Phillips even is. Right. But I think he's somebody that when teams play the Titans, their fan base is going to be like, who the heck is this guy? And why is he killing us every game? I think that that could be a Kyle Phillips type of role.
0: I love that Hunter Renfro light, right? That's kind of the term I've been using to describe Kyle Phillips. And I do think he's going to get on the field immediately. I'm willing to, I don't, I don't know if this qualifies as a bold prediction when the Titans start the season week one, New York giants, uh, 325 central, I believe it is when, they, when, they, whenever they go to three receiver sets. So for the first time, so probably in the fourth quarter, knowing Todd Downing, uh, no, uh, when they go to three receiver sets, It'll be Nick Westbrook and Robert Woods starting outside and Kyle Phillips starting in the slot. There'll be a lot of frustration and questions about Traylon Burks and yada, yada, yada. I think Kyle Phillips probably gets on the field quicker than
1: Burks does. I think that's probably accurate to be honest. And it, it might be a bit of a disappointment, but you know, something that um, Cody Hollis was it Cody Hollister? I think it was Cody. Hollister. Something that Cody Hollister told you in the interview. That's also up on broadway sports right now is something he values about the Titans franchise and the way that Mike Vrabel and John Robinson run things is that you walk through that door. It doesn't matter where you came from. It doesn't matter what pick you were, what round you were drafted. If you were drafted at all, what your contract status is, they want players to come in and work and earn their spots. And they reward the guys who do that. So the fact that Kyle Phillips was the fifth round pick and Traylon Burks was the first round pick day one of training camp. It's not going to matter. It's who knows the offense, who knows where they're supposed to be, who's putting in the work. And not to say that Burks isn't doing those things, but I just think that Kyle Phillips has shown in OTAs and the offseason workouts that he can be a professional as a rookie and uh, carry himself that way. And I think we're going to see that in training camp next week.
0: Yeah. You saw the, unfortunately the, the rookie mini camp, OTAs, all that stuff, they went very differently for Phillips and Burks. Right. And I agree with you. I'm not saying Burks isn't a professional by any stretch of the imagination, just saying that, you know, he had to miss time with the asthma Unfortunately, and crucial reps, right? While that was going on, Kyle Phillips was on the field showing that he understood the offense and pressing the coaches, great efficiency, doing exactly, let's be honest, doing exactly with every slot, five foot, nine, 10, white, right? (laughs) Slot receivers, being Danny Amendola, being Hunter Renfro, being Wes Welker, that almost feels like the calling card for kyle phillips and you're seeing the opportunity here in tennessee where there's not a lot of reliable pieces at receiver um i think he's going to be a guy that comes in shows that he understands the offense is where he's supposed to be when he's supposed to be there gets open underneath the coverage right Tannehill loves underneath the coverage uh and and kind of play that hunter renfro role where there could be um a really surprising rookie season for kyle phillips potentially
1: I totally agree, and it's a role that nobody has shown they can play for this Titans team. You know, Chester Rogers is gone, and he wasn't even that great at this role. They, Adam Humphreys has been gone and yeah. also wasn't that great because he couldn't really stay healthy for the Titans. But They value
0: that role is what I was going to say, right? Because they paid uh, Adam Humphreys good money to try to be that player a couple of years
1: right. ago. Right. Yeah. So – Anyone else you want to give an honorable mention to? I think I'm out of candidates. Maybe Tier Tart honorable mention, as someone who could play a big role on the defensive line. But how many snaps is he really going to play? Because you have such good defensive tackles in, ahead Even of him. Those, right? Yeah. It's 30% not, of
0: snaps tops most likely right. on a weekly basis. So I, I will end by saying that I'm not going to spend too much time on them, but curious to see Naquan Jones, curious to see Chris Jackson, how much those guys play. Um, curious to see Monty Rice if he gets into the mix at all. Like there, there are a couple of guys. I'm certainly uh, Rashad Weaver is a huge one for me. True, uh, potentially a as a rotational pass rusher behind Landry and Dupree, maybe even being the number three right edge behind those guys potentially. So th- those guys sort of all come to mind for me.
1: And Rashad Weaver was seen on social media working out with Bud Dupree, working on those pass rush moves. So hopefully he, you know, comes into camp healthy and ready to contribute because we'd love to see him put in a good season too. Um, all right. Does that do it? Plug these interviews for us, Justin. Let us know what's up on broadwaysportsmedia.com.
0: Yeah, so uh, as some of you may or may not be aware, I kind of embarked on a Titans player interview series. We got a lot of them go- going. Started last week. It was a soft release. Thursday, we released Jeff Swain. Friday, we released Cody Hollister. Uh, the reason we did that, I'll be completely honest with our listeners, is I had so many done. I wasn't planning to start releasing them until this week but I had to get two of them out a little early because we have so many in the bag. I am so excited for this. Uh, Amani Hooker published on Monday. You may or may not have already read that. Really strong interview with Hooker talking about the defense in general, talking about these rookie BBs, talking about Caleb Farley, talking about Theo Jackson, Roger McCurdy, talking about the relationship and partnership with Kevin Byard, talking about that unbelievable interception he made against the Bengals in the playoffs. He gave me an unbelievable, a terrific answer on that one. The shoestring pick of Joe Burrow. Say you got to be a hell of an athlete to say you didn't even realize how close the ball was to hitting the ground. I mean, my god, when he said that, I was like, My God. Yeah. Um, really great interview. Tuesday, this episode was released on Tuesday. That's the day that Nick Westbrook interview published. That's a really great one as well. I'm super excited for. We have four more coming this week after Nick Westbrook. We've got one on Wednesday. We've got one on Thursday. We have two on Friday. So I just go ahead and say who they are. I mean, yeah. surprise. You know what? So uh, you know what? Something for our MCA listeners to uh, appreciate your loyalty for listening to the show. Um, I'm not doing this anywhere else. No one else knows. Wednesday, I will be releasing Naquan zones. Really excited about him. Um, talked about, you know, two and a half sacks as a rookie. Really flashed some great things down the stretch, coming back as a as a rotational pass rusher. Thursday, I've got Chris Jackson releasing again, a guy that can play inside, can play outside, can even play a little safety. A lot of snaps for Chris Jackson last season uh, in a limited role, but really showed some great things. Friday, we have a double release, two guys who are back-end roster guys who are fighting for a spot in training camp, and we talked about that. It was very honest interviews. I've got second-year UDFA tight end, Briley Moore, um, who's a guy that they like because they kept him around after he suffered a season-ending injury in, in training camp last year. Briley Moore is back, ready to compete for a spot. Secondly will be Rodney Clemens, a safety out of SMU, a guy that uh, they don't have a lot of safeties in training camp. So this is a guy that they like, a guy that believes he can make this 53-man roster. And, you know, when you look at the depth they have at safety, you'd be crazy to tell them it's not within the realm of possibility uh, with what they have at safety. So excited for to release both those. And then uh, we're not done. I won't reveal who we're doing next week yet, but next week I'll be releasing at least another three. And some of them are big time players that you are super excited to hear from. I promise you, we got a rookie. We got one of the rookies from this class that you're super stoked about. Uh, We got an offensive starter. uh, I would say that just brings a lot of energy and a lot of fun to the table. Uh, And we've also got a, a sophomore player Uh, that you're very familiar with that started I think seven games or started sorry maybe appeared in seven or eight games last year starting four or five so uh, a a lot of interviews to come one other thing I'm going to plug quickly and I know this is uh, a a Broadway sports show of course but you know I I create Titans content for a lot of different places Uh, I've got an interesting story coming out tomorrow on Music City Miracles as well that I kind of really enjoyed writing wanted to take sort of a a different path, right? Look for, look for something different to write about. We all, you know, sometimes we, we can be honest, we struggle for content this time of year. Um, I did a story on international tight end, Thomas Otakuya. Don't know how familiar you guys are with him. You, if you're a hardcore Titans fan then you are, he's a guy who they signed through the international pathway program. It's mm-hmm. really interesting, but he's he, been in America. He played college at Eastern Michigan um, over, I believe the past two seasons. This is an interesting kid because the Titans are actually allowed to keep him around all year long on the practice squad without him counting towards a spot on the practice squad. So it essentially guarantees right. you to be honest, that this kid's going to be with the Titans all year long, right? They're going to try to develop him. And he might have a chance to, to do some special things. Now, why I thought this story I wrote was really interesting is because this is an angle I didn't see coming. I'll be honest with you. I didn't, I didn't even know this until I started writing the story. I got on the phone with his position coach. This is coach Brandon Blaney uh, at at Eastern Michigan who coached Thomas Otakoya uh, for, for the last couple of years. One thing I didn't know about coach Brandon Blaney until he told me he worked for the Tennessee Titans for two years um, when John Rob, I believe, I don't know if it was two years with John Robinson or just John Robinson's first year. Blaney was on the Mike Munch, uh, Mike Munchak, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Blaney was on uh, the Mike Malarkey coaching staff. He wow. was a, a, a defensive assistant for two years in Tennessee. So, and at least one of those years, I can't remember now, at least one of them, maybe two was with John Robinson. So not only did coach, and coach Blaney had so many great things to say about Thomas Otokuya, He really took this story to a new level for me. Not only did he have a lot of information to offer about this player, But he had a lot of information to offer about the Tennessee Titans as an organization and what he knows they look for out of players because he did work with John Robinson. So he knows what they look for in players Mm -hmm. they bring into the building. So we kind of got to marry those two topics, right? This is who Thomas Odokoya is as a player. This is what I know about the Tennessee Titans. And this is why I think they're going to be a really good fit together.
1: Nice. So we'll look for that on musiccitymiracles.com we got all the interviews coming to broadwaysportsmedia.com and obviously Justin will be tweeting out all those links as they are ready to go so follow him on Twitter at Justin M underscore NFL you can follow me at Titans Film Room that will do it for this episode of the Music City Audible one more episode will be released before training camp starts and then it's football season officially so we are getting excited for that can't wait We'll be back next week for that last episode before training camp. Until then, you guys stay safe out there and tighten up. A Broadway
0: sports media production.